Thank you, Jim. Knowing that you have a twin brother here is is like, who knows what can happen during the service at this point. I mean, <laughs> Jim's sermon last week was talking about the wildness of God, and it was one of the more memorable messages I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Jeff, I, I would encourage you when we get the recording up uh, and Brenda to, to listen to it a few times, just for the sake of, yes, you would... Uh, I'm sure you've heard some details that uh, that are there in, in Tish and Jim's life that are fun and, and, and miraculous, and I suggest absolutely doing that. So, we have had we've been gifted with uh, so many wonderful folks here um, at this church. Uh, these last you know 20 minutes have been incredible for me just to bear witness to and watch. It is you all uh, us all together stepping into being the church uh, and confessing uh, our our love for Jesus and our needs for him, and also his promises over our life. Uh, oh, I was in tears. I, I'm so happy to see you all coming together like this. Um, what pleases the Lord is faith. When we take him up on his word, he is tremendously pleased. So for you all to step out and, and declare the faithfulness of God, the pleasure of the Lord rests upon us as a people. And for us to be able to carry one another's needs and burdens and, and the words that the Lord has spoken over our lives is the call of the church. And to be there for one another in that way. Uh, we, we can't be Lone Ranger Christians. It's, it's, not, it's antithesis to the gospel. Uh, we, we, come, we are in a nation, perhaps the most independent nation on the planet, maybe even ever. And you know, our declaration of independence uh, has, has gone all the way now to independence of each individual person and to becoming really independent uh, of God in some ways and, and really of one another. And so the, the fruit of that declaration, while seemingly good at the time, has, has also produced within us a fragmented body. And so what, what I just saw among you today is, is the reversal of that, is the great coming together. And uh, at Pentecost, when the church was born, uh, it, it was a similar move of the wind of God that came together and with fire and tongues and people now of different nations and languages coming together. And so I, I, that's what was happening in our time today. And that's what's happening in our church at large right now. So thank you all. The, the capacity to hear and obey is what it means to follow Jesus. And I mean that quite literally, to hear from him and to obey what he's saying. Uh, years ago, maybe five years ago now, uh, or maybe, maybe five and a half years ago, uh, if you all remember Hurricane Matthew, Hurricane Matthew came and it, uh, it ended up hitting, hitting Wilmington. Uh, when it was first broadcast uh, and, and forecast, it was to hit the coast of South Carolina at Myrtle Beach or maybe around Myrtle Beach in Charleston area. And, uh, and so it was being called the storm of the century. Well, Elizabeth and I, uh, providentially, we had uh, been asked uh, by our family to come and invited to come on vacation that week. <laughs> we got down to, uh, you know, just south of Myrtle Beach uh, with, uh, with my family uh, the Saturday before the hurricane was to hit. And we arrived on Saturday, and as soon as we get down there, Governor McMaster, who was the governor of South Carolina at the time, declares a state of emergency and, uh, and requires everyone to, to leave the coast. Uh, they said, we need to have an evacuation because the storm of the century is coming down upon us. Well, we just got on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, Elizabeth and I, we, we heard the news because as soon as we got there, mom and dad said, hey, this is what's been declared. And we said, 
All right. Well, how about everyone go kind of play and get situated? Uh, Liz and I, we're going to go, we're gonna go uh, pray for a moment and see what the Lord would say. And we both went, to, we went individually and we came together and we both heard the Lord say, stay. And I heard uh, stay because the, the storm's going to turn north, it's going to hit Wilmington, and it's going to decrease in size before it does. And so, so stay this week. And so we came together, and, and Elizabeth had heard something similar, and we said, all right, well, we're going to stay. We told our family we're going to stay, and we began to stay. And, uh, and the evacuation notices, they, they, can, they continue on. We got a call from the, the rental agency that we were renting from. They said, hey, you, you, guys, you guys have to leave. Um, the evacuation order has come in. You need to leave uh, because, you know, the, the storm's going to hit and we need to be able to board up everything. And, and so we, we looked at our rental agreement. We went through all the lines of it. And it said plainly that once we have agreed to this rental agreement, even in the case of evacuation, we have permission to stay. <clears throat> and so we said, you know, I, I appreciate y'all's suggestion. <laughs> But we have agreed to this, as have you, and we are going to stay. And they said, well, we're sending people over to board up your house. And I said, okay, that's fine. We're going to stay. So the next day, uh, people come, they begin to board up the houses, and they begin to board up our house. And, uh, you know, they were locals. And, you know, they've been through hurricanes before. And we were talking with them, and they said, well, what do you all think about uh, leaving? And they kind of look at us, they say, well... We're staying. <laughs> and I said, what do you think about the news? And they're like, well, we've heard that before. So, okay. And, uh, and they were looking at the house and like, you know, if we shut, you know, put the wood up everywhere, you guys won't be able to see the beach and you guys won't be able to get out. So we're not going to put the wood up everywhere. We said, oh, that's good enough. Uh, but the news kept on saying, well, now it's not only, it's, a, it's not a category four, now it's a category five. And it's getting huge and it's doing all this destruction from the Caribbean as it's coming up. And so uh, we heard that, and, and then we began to get nervous. Oh, the news is saying this, and, and maybe, maybe they are right. Uh, and we start having doubt come in, and anxiety, and, and maybe we should leave. And so we got together, and we prayed again, and the Lord said, stay. It's going to turn north, it's going to hit Wilmington, and it's going to decrease in size before you go. Stay. So we said, okay. And then that gave us faith, and we were strong again. We had peace again. And then the next day comes, and, and like news people from all over the nation are collapsing upon this area because it was, this was going to be the storm of the century. There's going to be flooding. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be, there's not going to be not, nothing left of the coast. And we started getting family members calling and texting. So are you guys still at the beach? <laughs> Don't you know you have kids? <laughs> and uh, I won't go into all those conversations, but we would just say, and well, this is what the Lord said. Well, you know, how do you know that you're hearing from the Lord? How do you know that's what the Lord said? You don't, you don't know that that's what he was talking about. That might not be the case. So you, you don't, people say those things all the time, but you could be wrong about that. That could just be your desire to stay on the beach and have vacation together. And we started thinking, gosh, the news and our family is against us. You know, maybe we're wrong at this. Maybe we're, and we begin to experience like the doubt, anxiety. But then we go pray. And we'd hear the Lord again say the same thing. It's going to turn north. It's going to decrease in size. Stay. And so the hurricane was to hit Thursday night. Uh, my brother, who's amazing, and his wife were there. And for them, it's just looking, it's just looking too, too bad. And so they, they take off. And, uh, and so that Thursday comes along, and, and my mom and dad, who are amazing, uh, you know, they just would look and they said, you know, if you say that that's what the Lord's saying, we'll, 
we'll do this. We'll, we'll stick around with you. My dad's an engineer like I was, uh, and you know, he's, he's got the very logic reasoning mind. And he's looking at the news like everyone else, and he's just like, okay, all right. I love my son. <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure this out with the news. And so he just would sit there in that place of tension. So Thursday comes, and, and sure enough, Thursday was the day it was going to hit. And, and the news said, there's been a turn. It's heading north. It's going to hit Wilmington. And, and I wish I could show you videos. Maybe I could put it on Slack for everybody. Uh, we've got pictures of the girls and us on the beach, and, and the winds are just <sighs> blowing through. And so what we would do, we run as fast as we can against the wind and go like 20 feet. And then we would turn around and then just like, like jump straight in the air, and it would blow us like 20 <laughs> feet back. Woo! You know? It's so much fun. And there was no one on the beach. No, we had the whole thing to ourselves. So we can run up against it and we can run there and it was just great. And like the sky at this point wasn't completely dark. It was just, it was windy and it was kind of sunny. It was, it was an amazing day at the beach. And that night uh, we, we hunkered down and, uh, and sure enough, it turned north. And the meteorologist later on would say that out of the southeast corner of the storm, there was a, uh, a high pressure uh, wind that pierced the wall of the hurricane and caused it to decrease from a five to a three, I think is what it was, right before it hits Wilmington. So it decreased in size. And Wilmington was spared of this catastrophe. And, and so were we and all that. And, and you know, it was still a big storm, but it wasn't what they were saying that it was. And uh, so we had this great time on Friday, you know, the, the rains had come at this point. And we decided to leave at that point just because we didn't want to have to drive home uh, in the rain the whole time on the next day. And so, uh, but the point was that we heard the Lord. And it was one of those times where Elizabeth and I, we, we, we just knew that we knew what the Lord was saying. And it taught us that he speaks, that he provides, that as we obey, we grow in intimacy with him. And as we pay attention to other things, faith can diminish or be threatened. So it taught us how to focus on what the Lord is speaking to us and stay the course in that lane. That pleases the Lord. So you know, if you guys were to pick up your scriptures and you, know, you, you have a, a circumstance like that, a hurricane barreling down on you, where are you going to find instructions in the Bible on what to do in that circumstance situation? You, know, you, you, may, you may look at all the Proverbs and all the wisdom that has been handed out over centuries, and you may come up with a matrix of ways of how to decide things. You may have principles of provision, protection. Uh, you, you may you know, uh, figure out how to you know, save up money or these kind of things. And those things are, are good. Those things are wisdom that the Lord has provided for us. However, the way that we are to navigate our life is to learn always how to listen to the voice of the Lord and obey what he's saying in that situation. The, the greatest and best end for all of us is that type of intimacy and relationship with Jesus to guide our life. We have principles that are great, but I've heard it said before that principles without relationship is more like witchcraft than it is actually relationship with Jesus. And so uh, we want to be on guard against totally living a principled life if that principled life has nothing to do with our intimacy with Jesus. And so there's a difference here with that. And so I'm going to uh, go through some scriptures to help paint a picture of this for our own sake because oftentimes the church has taught one thing that is different than what I'm saying plainly to you now. So Jesus says to us, my sheep hear my voice in John chapter 10, that we all had the capacity as his sheep to hear his voice. 
He tells us in other places, blessed are you for your ears hear and your eyes see. You've been given a heart to understand. Uh, Jesus wasn't saying that in some kind of ethereal way that now we're able to follow good principles. Yeah, those things can help be guardrails to us and maybe guide us in some ways when we're less mature. But in the end of it, the goal is to have capacity to hear his voice and obey and to respond to that. That is the call of a priest. We've been talking these last weeks on you all being the priesthood of all believers. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve were set apart in a garden and told, here's the word of the Lord. Listen to what I have to say to you. Eat of this tree, do not eat of this tree. Go be fruitful and multiply. Obey my voice in this way, and you will be fruitful in all these other things. This is what it means to be a priest. I'm going to show you from scriptures how that was definitely communicated throughout the Old Testament and also now in the New Covenant as well. But as priests, your call, not only for your own life, but also for the life of those who are around you, is to listen and obey and declare the word of the Lord into the circumstances and situations that are out there whether it's hurricanes, whether it's in businesses that you have, whether it's in family, you have a unique role as a priest to bring about the kingdom of heaven into your environment and your culture and your community. That's what your privilege is. And, and that way you become the light of the world. John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them from me. This is what happens when we listen and obey. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The, the hurricane is barreling down. There's a great power. And there's news people now, uh, another kind of power. And there's even family. That's another kind of power. And these powers are communicating to me and Elizabeth. You shouldn't stay. You should go. It's dangerous. But the word of the Lord said, stay. The hurricane's going to turn north. You're going to be fine. John 10, my father's power is greater than all others. When you listen, when you obey, you will remain in his hand and you'll be guided. A lot of times when we are faced with a decision to obey or not, that is the test. Whether or not we will know that his power is greater than these other powers. These other powers that are out there in, in the world are powers that we have experienced and even a lot of times found security within. Family, news, looking at nature. These are all things that we have looked at before and observed their power and said, I will put my trust in these things because I see a power that is great. And it's normal and natural for all of us to want to find security in something powerful. God, who is the power of all powers, is always training us and testing us and growing us to know his power above all other powers. And so at times, he will put you right in the middle of a hurricane's path to see and to show you his power that is greater than these things, if you'll listen and obey. There's times when we don't. And because of it, we miss out on knowing him as the powerful one where ultimate security is. And that's okay. We, we have a good shepherd who's gracious. In John 10 earlier, Jesus is laying out this more and more. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So there's, 
that there's a shepherd that is good and there's thieves that are out there. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. So as we recognize the voice of the Lord, there is the safety of being shepherded by the Lord. This is the grace that he's given to us, is learn how to listen to this and obey and follow this. That's where safety is. That's where security is. It is in hearing him and listening to him. And always the test is being confronted with these other seeming powers. And so we're going to go all the way back to Exodus and see how the people of Israel failed this test. And as a result, what they got instead of intimacy and relationship with our Father was the law. In Exodus the whole, uh, the whole book is a story of people leaving behind a slavery, 400 years of slavery in Egypt, where they've been, they've been trained by powers. They've been trained by the strength of the masses who were against them. They've been trained by these Egyptian gods who could do some weird things at times. They've been trained by you know, their own sense of negativity. They've been trained by these things. And now they're being called out of this and being retrained by a God who is the father of all. And the great power. And so they were, they were trained to learn how to live off of his, his word. Hey, I'm going to give you manna. You're not going to have food anywhere around you through a desert. I'm going to, I'm going to give to you food. I'm going to give to you water. I'm going to give to you the things that you need. All you have to do is listen to my voice and obey it. And over the course of their journey, their tests are presented to them. And one after another, they fail these tests. Because ultimately, they, they don't listen and obey. And in Exodus 17, for instance, they're at this place called Meribah, uh, later called Meribah, and there's no water that's there, and they're thirsty. God had told them, I'll provide for you all these things. And it's not there when they get there. And so they listened to the news. They looked at nature. They were beginning to feel their way around their families who were like, hey, we need to get something right now. But the war of the Lord had said, I will provide for you. They began to grumble, complain, argue amongst themselves. And later on, that place was called Meribah, the place of quarreling or the place of bitterness. And it was at that point that the Lord began to show that he was angry with them for not trusting in his rest for their life, that he was going to provide for them all things. And you might be thinking, well, well that, that was the mindset. They were slaves. How could they know any better? And for all of us, we are all coming out of a form of, of slavery. We are all coming out of a place of being orphans. And so... All of us have that same test, so to speak, before us. The big difference between them and us is that we have Jesus, who is our mediator now. They had Moses, great man, the most humble, meek man on earth. It wasn't Jesus. So let's talk about what that means. In Exodus 19, the Israelites... They have now gotten to a place called Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where God had said that you would worship. It's where Moses met with God initially. And now the whole of Israel is there before Moses at Sinai. In verse 3, Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. This is the first of seven times that Moses climbs the mountain. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. What a beautiful picture of how God sees a trip through the desert. I have carried you up on eagle's wings. It has been I who have done this. It's a, it's a beautiful show of just his love. 
Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. What does it mean to be a kingdom of priests? That they listen and that they obey and keep his covenant. So it's not a kingdom with priests or a kingdom with a priest. It is a kingdom of priests. The original design for all of us from Adam and Eve on is always for every one of us to be a priest before God. To go before and listen. What do I do in the midst of a hurricane? What do I do right now with this job situation, with this family situation? How do I understand your scriptures? How do I speak to the people around me in your life? That's, that's our call. That's what it means to bring the garden out into the desert and into chaos. We make it in that way. So Moses then returns to the garden, uh, sorry, returns from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded them. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. And so the people, uh, so Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. So the second time he goes back up there and he said, God, they said yes. They said yes. I mean, so God is saying, hey, I want to make a covenant with you. I want to get married to you. I want to, I've wooed you across this desert. I have showed you that I will keep your feet, you know, your sandals from wearing out, your clothes from wearing out. I will give you food. I will give you water. I will do all these things for you. I love you. I want to make a covenant with you. All you have to do is just listen to my voice, obey. And the people respond back, yes. We want to marry you, God. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. They're excited. So Moses goes up, tells God that. And then the Lord told Moses in verse 10, Now go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. So this is them getting ready. All right, you need to go through the waters. All right, they've been through the waters of the Red Sea. They went through the waters of creation in Eden. We all did. I want you to go through the waters right now. I want you to, I want you to ready yourself like a bride. I want you to get washed and cleansed. <clears throat> so now they're, they're, they're starting to understand that God really means business here. Be sure they are ready for the third day. That's a big deal. The third day. In Scripture, that's a really big deal. Third day. Third day is the day of testing or the day of, of revelation. For on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain and warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will surely be put to death. Hey, I want to marry you. I want you to become clean. I want you to become holy. I want you to recognize that if it's not done the right way, you could die. Oh God, we want to marry you, but this is kind of getting a little scarier. You know, I, I want to be ready, you know, but... But this is getting real. I'm going to start now reading from the uh, New Revised Standard Version. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and so trust you ever after. When Moses had told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and prepare them for the third day. So now, this is a narrative device in Hebrew where they're telling the same story in layers. They're telling a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. 
Narrative in Hebrew is not just a story in linear fashion. It's an ancient text and we have to read it in an ancient way. So we're supposed to meditate on these and, and, and think about what's happening in the gaps and let some dissonance cause us to come and question God, what he, what he means by these things. And so this is a second iteration of it. Go to the people, consecrate them, because on the third day the Lord will come down upon Sinai in the sight of all people, and you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, be careful not to go up to the mountain or to the edge to trust it or to, to, to touch it. Any who touch the mountain shall be put to death. So again, he's saying it for the second time. Hey, we're going to get married, but there's boundaries here. To be, around, to be with me, you have to be holy. To not come to me in a, in a worthy manner means that you could die. And I was like, well, this is, this is getting kind of scary. This is, this is getting heavy. No one shall touch them, but they shall be stoned or shot with arrows if they touch the mountain. Whether animal or human being, they shall not live. When the trumpet sounds, or you know, when this is the, the shofar, when the, the, it's, a, it's a horn that came uh, from one of the animals. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, and, and I, this is specific, I want to make sure that you guys hear this. They may go up onto the mountain. This is from the NRSV, the Tanakh, which is a Hebrew translation of the Bible. They also say the same translation. They shall go up onto the mountain. Not to get into the technicalities, but this Hebrew word has at the very beginning of it a preposition. It's one little letter. The preposition only means onto. In the NIV, ESV, and other translations, they say to the mountain. They translate this, in my opinion, incorrectly because of what's about to happen, if you know the story. So hold on to this. Okay, they shall go up onto the mountain. So the voice of the Lord is saying, they shall come now up onto the mountain. The boundaries are there, but when you hear the sound of the trumpet, come up onto the mountain. You guys tracking with that? Come up onto the mountain. All right. We know it's scary, but when you hear my voice, come up onto the mountain. When the hurricane's bearing down on you, when, when, when it's all around, when the news is what it is, when the... the the nature is what it is. When, you're, when your friends are scared, listen to my voice. Go up to where the Lord is saying. And what he's saying at that time is, go up to the mountain. So Moses went down again. He comes back down. He consecrates the people. They wash their clothes. And he says to the people, prepare for the third day. And he says, and, and do not go near a woman. In <laughs> uh, that time, that meant that there was, uh, through the exchanging uh, of uh, consecration of, of the vows and that kind of stuff, there would be uh, an uncleanliness uh, in the land for the people. And so the people then, therefore, they get uh, consecrated. On the morning of the third day, thunder roars and lightning flashes, and a dense cloud comes down on the mountain. All right, so they get to that place. They get to the third day. There's been a preparation. And then all of a sudden, the, the cloud of God comes down. Lightning is all around. They, they were, like any of us, would be scared out of our minds. And then the boundary lines are there. It says, you know, until you hear that, do not go up. So it's a fearful thing. You know, and, and so there was a heightened sense of, of fear. And so um, we, we talk about fear, like fear of the Lord. If you fear something, whatever that is that you fear, you're going to be focused on that thing. You know, if it's a person with a gun, you know, and... If it's, if it's a storm, you are looking at it. Your attention is fully there. 
which is exactly why God wants us to fear him, because when we see God and have fear of him, he returns back love. When we are afraid, our psyche, our entire soul and foundation of our, of our life is exposed because that thing, whatever that is, holds life in its hands. That power we know can take our life or give that life. When we are truly afraid, we feel like we are becoming undone because our soul is being exposed. And that's why we are to fear God. Because in that place that he says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. You're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. I love you. I have set you apart. In that place of fearing God, we truly hear from him. And our entire being is therefore transformed into his love, into his word. And so God had arranged this whole thing so that in that moment they would fear him. All their fears would be laid bare. And if they hear the Lord and go up to him like Moses had done, they would have a father as opposed to a slave master. And what do they do? What happens? You guys know this, I'm sure. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the, at the foot of the mountain. <clears throat> all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it, from the, on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. At the blast of the ram's horn, again, it grew louder and louder. So in the Hebrew, the, the point of this narrative part of it is to say there's a resounding call right now. It has gone forth. The trumpet is sounding. This is it. Go up to the mountain. Go up to the mountain. Go up to the mountain. But in the, the narrative itself, the people aren't responding. You're, you're looking down. You're like, are they going to go? Are they going to go? Are they going to go? It's sounding. It's sounding. Are they going to go? That's the tension that the author is intending to create when he is speaking like this, when, when he's recording like this. This is what we're supposed to be feeling by experience. It's smoke, it builds up, and, and, and in the Hebrew, the language is amazing because the, the, the word voice is the same one that we hear in the garden when Adam is afraid and now the voice of the Lord. Before he would hang out with God and he would talk, but then the voice of the Lord comes in a cloud and a storm and in a wind, and it scares him, and so he hides. And so... From that time of Adam all the way to right now, Israel and the people of God had been hiding at the sound of God's voice. They were afraid because of their own sin, their own uncleanliness. They, they feel like they couldn't, or they felt like they were slaves. They couldn't, they couldn't do it. And so here again, the round, the, the, the trumpet's blowing again, and Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. We don't know what that is yet. There's a pause. The Lord came down from the mountaintop and called Moses back to the top of the mountain. So Moses goes back up there. So just you know, forecasting a little bit here, something happened in between the sound and then Moses being called back up. And I'm going to get to what that is in just a second. Then, Moses, then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries now, to see the Lord or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. And so... It seems like in this case, and this is why translators go there, it seems like the Lord is now calling Moses and saying, hey, you know, tell them now not to come up. T tell them not to go do this. And so in, in everyone's thinking now, oh, well, we weren't supposed to go up all along. That's not the case at all. I, and I would argue strongly for that. Um, I'm going to get to the interpretation here from the scriptures, and I'm going to tell you why uh, in a second I believe what I do. <clears throat> and so... Moses then protests. He says, but Lord, the, the people cannot come up to the mountaintop. You've already warned us. 
uh, you told me mark off a boundary all around the mountain uh, and set it apart as holy. And so Moses was hearing the Lord say what he said with this understanding that God was, was, was beckoning them up. He says, but you told us not to. So he's a little you know, confused about what to do now at this point because of the fear that was there. And Moses, uh, and then the Lord says, now go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or the people break through to approach the Lord. Or I will, you know, the Lord will break out and destroy them. And so, the, uh, so Moses told the, the Lord what to happen, uh, what would happen at that, that point. And so then Moses and Aaron, who are to be the, the mediators now of God, only they can come up. And this would be a pattern for the rest of history with Israel, is only there would be one mediator, the, the high priest every year, and he would be the one that would make atonements in the temple. He would be the one that would be making the sacrifices. He would be one going into the presence. No one else was allowed in the presence. From that point forward, the, the people of Israel said, no, I, I can't do this anymore. We know later on, through you know, John 10 and so many other places, we read about it in Hebrews 3, that we are not to harden our hearts like the people of Israel did and not hear and obey the voice of the Lord. We are all called to be able to hear from him and to respond to them. But here, Israel, because their mediator wasn't Jesus and because they were afraid, they still disobeyed. And because of this, in chapter 20, we get the Ten Commandments. We get the law. Have you ever wondered why is there a law when the, when the new covenant is so much better? Why was there a law to begin with? This is why. You know, from the very beginning, you and I were meant to be in the garden of, of face-to-face intimacy, relational delight with our Father, who hears us and knows us and, and knows us inside out. We know in Jesus, he's given us a new, com- a new covenant where we are meant to have intimacy with him and always be able to intercede at all times with God, to, to experience his presence at all times. The presence of God is now in us, it says. That's, a, that's, that's so far beyond the thinking that was in Exodus right here. But the reason why they didn't get that new covenant then is because they weren't willing to go and hear the voice of the Father for themselves, like Moses was able to. That's the whole reason. And then, and then there was you know, a couple thousand years of, of human history where they have to live under a law. You know, we, we talk about this at home with our, with our kids. Would you rather live by rules or relationship with us? Would you rather would, would us just trust you with things and, and trust that you are growing in our heart and wanting to please the Lord and, and please us and what we're saying to you and listening and obeying and understanding that? Or whether, would you rather just live by rules all the time? I mean, you tell me, do you like being micromanaged or like being trusted? You know? You know, we see how this plays out in in the nation. If if we as a nation don't know the voice of the Lord and we can't respond out of our own integrity because of our love for Jesus, then we need rules in this life and we need laws. And then we become a collectivist of laws. and, And that's what's happening in our nation right now. So we see it playing out in real time. So he gives us the Ten Commandments. And then in verse 18, we get, a, um, we get what's very important in this. And so in verse, chapter 20, verse 19, the narrator, he flashes back to what happened in that little bridge that I was telling you about before. The trumpet sounding, and then in verse 19, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear, and they said to Moses, And this is heartbreaking. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. 
That's the interpretation. That's why God said, all right, well, then you stay down there, and I'll give you the law. If, if you don't want to hear my voice and be my father, and, and, and be, let me be like a father in that way to you. Okay, then I'll, I'll give you a covenant of rules. I'll, you know, if you would have come up and learned how to fear me by hearing and obeying, you would have been kept from sin. You would have been kept from the thief that steals. You would have been kept in my presence. You would not have had to sin in your life because you would have had my presence and my voice in you at all times. That's, that's our call as Christians. We actually don't have to sin. We have power and grace in our lives to overcome these things because we hear and we obey. They weren't willing to do that at the time. And I would argue strongly is because they put Moses as their mediator in their life in this statement. We have allowed Jesus in faith in him who has gone up to the mountain through the fire and because of him who intercedes for us, he's now allowed all of us to come into the presence of the Lord together collectively as a priesthood. That's the gift of Jesus Christ who's gone through the heavenly places. He's gone through the fire. What is fire? Fire is what was on the swords of the angels guarding Eden after Adam and Eve left. That was the first place that we had seen a fire. You know, the, the angels are going to, in order to get back in Eden, you have to go through fire. People weren't willing to do it. But Jesus, representing us, now says, all right, I'll go and do it for you. And there's a lot more theologically that's there, but I'll just leave it at that. It's a profound moment in the history of people. Don't be afraid, Moses then warns in verse 20, for God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. So he's pleading with them, don't fear this. Come up to the mountain. He's here to test you. He's here to prove that, that he is the fear, the power, the great one that you should look at because he wants to be a father to you. <clears throat> and then as the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. No, that's heartbreaking. <clears throat> Hebrews, we went through this a couple months ago. Hebrews 3, 5, 19 says, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are now God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, in the midst of a hurricane, can you remain confident and hopeful in the midst of what the Lord's speaking to you? That is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the, in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. And so I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in anger, I took an oath. They will not enter into my rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day, while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. <clears throat> and, and this is totally unplanned today. What, what happened? You know, we, we, we came up. We, we heard the Lord saying, I want you to declare, I am faithful to restore I am faithful to give you family. I am faithful to bring your daughter back. I am faithful to bring your son back. I am faithful to restore your family. I am faithful in these things. And then the people of God came back and said, God is faithful. This is what the scripture is saying in this. It's, it's amazing. That happened today before, without any coordination of this. I was to speak this right here. This is living it out. We, as a, we, we are to encourage one another daily. 
What is it that you need faith for? What is it that you're called to have hope and courage for? I will stand in agreement with you. I will believe for you. God is faithful in this. Don't forget this. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will heal. He will deliver. He will save. He will give you these things. He will help you with the job. He will help you with these things. Stand in this for one another. We, we are not lone rangers in this world. We need community to come together, and we need to tell one another, here's why I'm weak. Here's what the Lord's saying. Believe with me about these things. What an act of great love for one another and courage that we can do this together as a family. This is what our community is to be like. So with that in mind, uh, I wanted to bring up uh, Doreen Martin here in just one second. Uh, she is going to talk to us a bit about uh, community forming. I wanted to preach the sermon like that um, you know, to help you guys to see that what the Lord is doing in our midst is forming us together like, I mean, uh, like I've always wanted uh, in my own heart. I think, and in some ways, we, we're, we're hearing uh, together that there's things that are happening in our lives that, that we're experiencing God and together in family, community, that we, we've always wanted to like that. And so I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to the Lord for these things. I'm grateful for y'all's courage and hope as we continue on like this. It, it requires us to go past what we are comfortable with, to hear the news, to hear uh, you know, reports, to hear all these things, and to say, okay, that's what that says, but what is your voice telling me to do? And I will obey that. And so that's what it means to go off the map when we're talking about church community and these kind of things. We, we, we love principles. We, you know, they, they help kind of create guardrails. We, we love scripture. What is the voice of the Lord speaking to us? And we want to be that for one another. And so uh, Doreen has stepped out in faith. She's heard the Lord say to her, yes, I want you to help organize uh, community uh, you know, at, uh, at a place to table church. So she's been a great help to us in this. You know, I've gotten to know her now for... I don't know when it's been four years, three or four years now, three or four years. Uh, she is uh, come on up. Um, she uh, she works at Billy Graham, doing uh, the work of spreading the gospel around the world. Uh, she is a treasure, a treat, and she is going to help uh, give us some clarity for the months ahead about what community looks like. So, Doreen, if you want to share however you want to. Okay. Hi, I'm Doreen. Um, quite an exciting message, and I love that. And think about how in the garden there was fellowship and community and true connection with both God and with one another. So God has been really showing off um, as we've been looking at starting small groups here at a place at the table. Um, and I, I have this to keep me concise. <laughs> so um, there's no orphans here. Amen. We are brothers and sisters in Christ with God the Father and Jesus our bridegroom. And we are family. And we have this exciting opportunity to show the world who we are by our love for one another. So um, I'm excited to talk about the small groups that are launching soon. We just launched Flourishing, um, which as you know is the discipleship group that's meeting once a month. So this is yet another way for you to connect um, and come be part of our groups forming here so we can link arms with one another. And I always picture coming together in small group community as a chance to celebrate the joys with one another as family, but also link arms in the trials which do come and walk through life together um, 
you're, you're not alone. And that has meant all the world to me. And so um, our info about small groups as they come up will be listed on the website. We're going to be preparing that. Um, you'll be able to see all the groups there. We're going to launch later in February. It's coming up. And that will be the first wave of small groups that I'm going to announce right now. But there's more in the wings. And as we continue to grow, more will become available as well. So um, there's a variety of days and times as I've spoken to various leaders. Um, some will be weekly, some will be bi-weekly. Um, God is just continuing to unfold the details. So here's the details. Right now we have four small groups that are forming, which is really exciting. Um, the first one is going to be a mixed group that's for everyone, and that's with Casey and Graham Foster. Raise your hand. For anybody new, they're right over there. <laughs> so they live in Indian Trail, and um, their group is going to be a place where you can bring your kids if you have them. Um, probably Thursday, maybe Friday night. So again, we're letting God unfold the details right now. Um, another group that's coming is also a mixed group. That's Chris and Kendall Phillips, who will be meeting in Pineville. And they're amazing. They're out of town right now, but um, they're, just, they're just wonderful people. They're excited to have the group. Um, I think that one also will be in, open if people who have kids um, want to bring them. But it will be a group for everyone as well. So singles, married, young, old, etc. Um, next, the third group is going to be a group for young adults. And so, um, Brady, would you wave, wave your hand? So Brady's helping us. <laughs> He's helping us in the connection role, kind of gathering the young adults together. And that's going to meet in Weddington at uh, Jessica and David Allison's house. So we're really excited about that. That's coming up too. Um, date and time to be announced. And um, that group, young adults, just every time I look at our church body and stand in the back and pray and listen to the Lord, he's doing something really great mm -hmm. in the young adult group. And it's just growing. And he has great plans um, for you all. Yeah. And then the final one, um, we just... Got this one set up last night. Um, God's so cool how he pulls everything together, but it's a discussion group that will be meeting on Tuesdays at a coffee shop, likely in the Plaza Midwood area, and it will be open to all, and that will be led by Cesar. I'm looking for him. Is he here? Yes. Oh, there you are. Okay, Cesar, wave your hand, as well as Lucinda Matthew. <laughs> so this one will... Um, bring everybody together. Cesar really has a heart for connection for people, to draw everyone out, bring them together, to get to know one another, to share their hearts, their needs. And because it's in a coffee shop, you have built-in um, food and connection that way. But he's also um, open. He really wants a place for newcomers to come into our midst. Mm. As we continue to grow over time, that will be a place that's easy entry. They come into the church. I can come to the coffee shop and be part of the discussion and connection and meet one another. So um, there's more to come, as I said. More will unfold. I'm so excited about what God's doing in our midst. And um, just to say as well, there's many new people here since the time we first started planning small groups. We put together a survey, et cetera, et cetera, promised you more information. So if you're new, 
and you never got to speak your heart into this and this is your passion, um, please come talk to me. Come grab me. I want to know who you are and what the Lord is placing on your heart because um, this is going to continue to fold as we do family life together and we all have a place at the table. So I think that's it. Yeah. Thank Amen. you for the time, David. Yeah, Doreen. Thank you guys so much. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, there's uh, the groups themselves, and, and like our community, uh, it's gonna it's gonna take on the different graces that are uh, that are leading. So uh, it's gonna be fun just to see all that uh, develops. Um, we we really believe that you will have uh, that priesthood, that grace within you, and as you are empowered into that place and trusted with uh, with the Lord in His presence, who ultimately is keeping you in that place of trust. Uh, we believe great things are going to happen. And uh, and so thank you all for being willing to journey into that with all of us. Um, Jesus, he he was uh, excited since before the foundation of the world to be able to create a new covenant uh, where you got to know our Father and we could become family together. And that's why we're all here. And so if you wouldn't mind standing up, I'll give a blessing uh, on our way out. Father, I give you thanks that you did not settle for law. You did not settle for a single priest. You've given us the high priest in Jesus, who is the firstborn among many, a royal priesthood, and who's ushered us now into a new covenant from mercy now into a fullness of relationship with you, and it's amazing, God. Thank you so much, Lord. Lord, for all the different hurricanes that are coming hurricanes that are on us. Thank you that you do speak and you will speak because your sheep here hear your voice. You have given them ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to understand and a will to obey. Father, thank you so much that because of your son Jesus, all of us have passed and will continue to pass these tests and grow in greater intimacy with you, finding greater safety with you, and finding your power to be the one that helps us to rest in love. Father, I bless them with this good news. Thank you for setting us apart, Lord, with your spirit now, today and this week, to be the light of the world. And so, God, let us boldly go out bringing gardens into graves with wisdom on high, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. If you guys want prayer, feel free to come forward. We'll pray for you. We love you all, though, and have a great week. Bringing it today. <laughs> Thank you. You guys pray for me when I'm in my first job in the church. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Uh, but I have a good feeling. Yeah. yeah you're, you're a blessed man. Uh, when I speak with, with uh, Johnny. <laughs>